Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Are you addicted to being busy? When you're deep in a pit of overwhelm and it's been that way for longer than you actually care to realize, then it might be time to take a step back and truly ask yourself this question. I see so many salon owners with these huge to-do lists, all of this pressure with lots of people relying on them and who really are just stuck in the day-to-day operations of their business. Don't get me wrong, I've been there. I've been there. I have been that person multiple times over. But what I realize now is that I didn't want to maybe let go of those things. I wanted my team to still rely on me a bit, to feel needed, because actually being needed is a little addicting. But trust me, it's not what's best in the long run. So today I'm joined by Dawn Bradley, and we're going to chat a little bit about how to create healthy boundaries in a business and what to do when people try to push the boundaries, plus how to let go of that desire to be needed. Tune in, this episode is going to be a goodie, I promise. Dawn, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Very pleased to have you here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, let's start with uh, where are you in the world? What do you do? And how did you get to be doing what you're doing? Give us your backstory. Okay. So I am in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I've been in the hair industry this May. I think, I believe it's like May 14th will be 20, my 20 year anniversary, uh, in the industry, which blows me away. Cause I'm pretty sure I'm still just 20 years old. <laughs> um, but I started out as a hairstylist in a salon, worked in a com- commission salons for 10 years, went self-employed uh, in 2010 and in 20, I'm trying to remember the years, but it's not, no, anyway, I moved six years ago, started over from scratch and then have been educating for the last five years. So now what my current, what I currently do is I help hairstylists earn six figures stress-free. And that is the very condensed version of my journey, but I lived and worked all over the globe. I went to England and Australia, back to Canada, started my own business and then shifted into education when I saw what I didn't have and what I wished I would have had. Yeah, for sure. All right. Amazing. Well, one of the things that, you know, we've been talking about together is uh, that we see a lot is that stylists and owners uh, in the hair and beauty industry are constantly in the state of uh, what I would call overwhelm um, or anxiety. And uh, I'm just not quite sure is it because there are just so many things to do and that we have to juggle a lot of things? Is it that society now means that we need to work more longer and do all of the things, do you know, and that our days are more packed? Um, and I know it's something that you speak to a lot of, and I'd really love the opportunity to unpack this. Like, why are we so overwhelmed? Why are we living in a state of anxiety so often? Because for me, yeah. my experience is that it's, it's the roadblock to success often. You know, Mm -hmm. yes, we could do better strategies, better marketing, better team management, but actually often the roadblock is us. 
Yeah. hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I really think like, just as you were talking, I was thinking about how overwhelm is a form of self-sabotage and overwhelm is a way that we keep ourselves feeling like we're not enough. It's like almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, I'm not, I don't know. I, I know for me, I was told not to become a hairdresser because the quotes of like, you're just a hairstylist. So I had this like little inner critic that was like, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. So if I kept myself busy with tax tasks that didn't actually move my business forward, I felt like I was being productive and accomplishing things, but I wasn't actually getting anywhere out of this fear. And I actually was sharing with you before this post and that's um, not mine, but someone said, are you using overwhelm as a strategy to feel valuable and how we use it as an ego boost rather than being like, we're overwhelmed by busy rather than being productive. And how often like does that manifest also with the anxiety of seeing now with social media, we see what everyone else is doing. We don't see the behind the scenes. And then that comparisonitis gets in there. And I know I've had to like mute and unfollow people that I love and celebrate because I, I love and celebrate them. But then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not keeping up. And then that's where I know for overwhelm comes into me. Like, look, they're doing this and they're doing this. And I don't realize that they have a team of 10 where I'm over here, like with one person or, you know, things like that, that comparison or thinking we're, at, we're behind where we should be. And I think we need, I don't know, I know I'm going way off on a tangent, but we really need to focus on what's productive. What are our goals and stay focused. And as a self-proclaimed anxious, creative focus is not my strong point. And I don't think it is a lot of hairstylists strong point. And how do I stay focused and go, that's great for whoever is doing this, but I don't need to veer off in this direction because I'm not headed that way. Yeah. Or yeah, hundred percent. I think we often compare ourselves to someone who's actually 10 years down the journey and we're trying to compare ourselves. We're at year two and yep. they're at year 10 and we're like, Oh my God, why am I not like them? And um, yeah, it, it creates uh, not only FOMO, but a little bit of shiny object syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. And I think maybe as an industry, we're good at that because we are creatives. And yep. the most boring thing in the world is structure, focus, and discipline. <laughs> like it's routine. Oh. Yeah. Oh, get me out of here. But yeah. I have discovered that, you know, uh, a little bit of self discipline and a little bit of focus and forcing myself not to be too shiny object syndrome helps me achieve today. But I think we need to unpack like, what are our days? What are our boundaries? What are we really doing with the time that we have available? I often think we've got the same amount of time as Beyonce, right? Yep. Right. <laughs> we can't we, we, Yeah. And I'm sure she's not checking her emails three times a day and um, doing the menial tasks. So mm-hmm. let's talk, let's talk a little bit about um, creating healthy boundaries in business, being a an anxious or creative entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial type. Yeah, I love this topic because I didn't even know what boundaries were. And when I went and started my own salon, I was self-employed. It was just me in, in a 500 square foot, like second story of a little mall. And I remember being so proud about the excellent customer service I was giving. I was like, my client wants to come in on my day off. No problem. Like, look at how good of a business owner am. I do anything and everything my clients ask. And I really thought it was like me care. It was me out of a place of caring. And I have this post on Instagram that says your lack of boundaries is not a form of excellent customer service because so many times we convince ourselves and then down the road, we start to become resentful and bitter towards our clients. Like, I can't believe they texted me expecting me to get them in. And we assume someone asking us a question 
makes us uh, the responsible to say yes. And I didn't know I could say no to things. And I didn't know that I could have parameters. And I feared my business would all crumble and fall apart if I only worked within certain hours. And especially like being a new business owner at the time, I was like, I, my dad even said to me and like, I, he's a wonderful businessman, but he kind of had more of that scarcity mindset of like, if it all falls apart, you have to do yes. You have, you have to say yes. You have to do this. You have to come in. Like whenever business is coming to you, you have to be thankful for it. And it was a trap for burnout. I threw my back out. I ended up in the hospital. I thought I was dying because I didn't know to have any boundaries. And usually the pendulum swung pretty far to the other side when I started to learn what boundaries were and they were not boundaries. I like built like a giant wall around me at first, but learning how to be like, okay, this isn't where you can enter in, but the, the, this doorway over here is, and that kindness, compassion, and empathy that we need to layer into it when communicating it to people. But man, I could talk about boundaries all day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, social media doesn't do us any favors in terms of instant messaging, being available all the time and Mm -hmm. wanting to just you know, we spend time and we scroll. So we're seen as available. And I think we can fool ourselves that, you know, somebody reaches out to us that we have to reply immediately and that creates pressure. But actually there's no rule book that says that we need to reply within the hour. And if someone messages us on a Sunday, it's actually okay to get back to them on Monday or Tuesday or business hours, actually, if we choose or whatever that looks like. Um, it's up to us to manage that. Would you say? Yeah. And having boundaries with yourself because you can like, you can tell your clients, I only answer emails or check my DMS Monday to Friday. And so they may message you Friday night at midnight, knowing that you said that you'll check it on Monday. But if you go in and read it and then stress about it for the whole weekend, that's not their fault. They knew like you can, I always say like, if someone needs to drop something off at your house and they, the only time they can come is 3am you don't feel obligated to go like open the door. You say, put it in my mailbox and I'll get it when I wake up. And same when it goes to like DMs and emails, like don't be upset that a client messaged you on your off hours. Why are you in there checking it on your off hours? And so it's really, really tough because when I started to implement boundaries, I was like, everyone should just automatically respect them and get them. But like when, when you're teaching somebody a new habit, we fall back into the path of least resistance. And so we have to like, if we don't respect and follow our own boundaries, how can anyone else? If we tell people we don't reply on the weekends, but we're replying on the weekends, actions speak louder than words. And that was so hard for me (laughs) because I just wanted other people to just respect it and actually almost make my boundaries for me. Like don't message me on the weekend. And it's like, no, it's my responsibility as an adult person to not be checking my messages, to have my boundaries and follow through on them so that I keep my overwhelm and my anxiety and my, you know, state of being in check. And so that's been the hardest part for me is respecting and following my boundaries myself. Yeah, totally. Totally. And yeah. And I think on the other side of the coin too, if we are that, like I often will think of something over the weekend and I'll message my team in our message portal, but we pre-frame it and say, I'm doing this now while I'm thinking about it, but I know you won't check it till Monday. So I'm respecting their boundaries. I don't have no expectation that you'll reply to me right now, but actually it's in my Mm -hmm. brain right now and I just need to deal with it and get it out. Yeah, I need to dump things out. Yeah, and there needs to be a place to park that, Uh, but I actually have no expectation that you will reply right now. Do you know? And so it goes goes both ways. Yeah, and it's it's hard and it's a learning curve for sure. And especially for us creatives that kind of like spit fire and have 10 different inspirations hit us three times a day. It's like, we just got to, we want to get it out of our brain to somebody else to be responsible for it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just knowing Actually, that when our clients do that, like, oh, I need to book my hair appointment. Oh, it's midnight. I'm just going to send her a message. So it's sent, not expecting you to reply. Yeah. And, and not to put ourselves in a place where we're actually, how dare she message me at midnight? That's so bad of her. Well, no, that's, yeah. that's just the way we roll now. Right. Yeah. And so we have to set up those really strong boundaries with ourselves to make sure that we have, especially as business owners, where like the lines of like, when do you start work and when do you end work for the day can be tough as a salon owner. Cause you know, your salons can be open from 9am to 9pm and you need to be available to your staff in case an emergency happens, but how do you set healthy, strong boundaries still? Hey, hey, it's me here, Larissa here, just popping in to talk to you about something interesting. Don't worry though, we'll get back to the episode in just a sec. But for now, I want to ask, do you feel like 2020 has been a super rocky road, like lots of unexpected potholes in the journey of salon business? Well, maybe you felt deflated, overwhelmed, and that the stress is starting to seep into every aspect of your life. Well, I want to give you a fresh start in 2021, a chance to rewrite your own ending, take matters into your own hands and actually be the one who decides to go for it and take a leap and make a change in your life and your business. Now, if this sounds like you, let's chat. I'd love to help you level up your business in 2021 and bring a new chapter, a chapter of success. So if you want to find out more, then just DM me, PM me, let's chat. And you can tell me a little bit about your salon, your team, your goals. Let's see if we are a good fit to work together. Let's make a plan for you. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I know part of that uh, setting boundaries and, and detaching a little, and you kind of alluded to it before, is suddenly uh there's a letting go process of not being needed or not being on alert or not being on do you know mm -hmm. and it's sort of letting go of um well I know something that I talk a lot about with the salon owners that I work with is uh when you have a lot of incoming I call them fireballs messages stuff that needs to be dealt with if you have reoccurring fireballs coming at you then you need to create a system you need to organize something that manages the fireballs so you're not constantly putting them out and what happens as a result of dealing with that automating, systemizing, or delegating, um, is that suddenly you're not required anymore. And so there's this, uh, it's almost like a come down. You know, when you come home from a party or from a holiday yeah. and you've had this amazing time and now suddenly you feel really flat uh, yeah. and, and it can feel like that, that it's you flat afterwards. Oh, they don't, they don't need me anymore. They've actually got this. And I wonder if part of that stops us from really let, letting go of responsibility and really yeah, handing we, over the reins to other people. Like knowing that, that that was in that post I was sharing, where can I find it? Um, all throughout the day, you, the star are reminded that everyone wants something from you and seemingly without you, they will not get what they need and only you can be of service to them. The truth is that overwhelm is a strategy. And so it's a strategy to fill. I love that. It's a strategy to fill this in little insecure inner child of ours that wants to be seen, heard, and valued and be needed. And so we keep ourselves overwhelmed with stuff that we don't need to have on our plate. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's All right. Work. <laughs> yeah. For ourselves. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the difference between overwhelm, anxiety, and maybe mental illness. This is something that probably um, you have a, a, a bit more 
thought about. Um, you sort of commented on how mental illness can actually become your superpower. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety at 19 years old. And it's funny because I had no clue. I went to my doctor about being tired and unmotivated. And like, she asked me a series of questions. I like had no clue. And she's like, put me on antidepressants. And then I went home and cried about it. Cause I'm like, I'm not depressed. And I had no idea. I had no education like 20 years ago. Like there wasn't a lot of talk about mental health and I felt like I was broken. Something was wrong with me. Um, and, and that I was so different. And I, you know, throughout the years have realized a lot of creative entrepreneurs struggle with depression and anxiety. And I don't know if there's like an actual, like I'm not a, a healthcare professional, but it seems to be a common tie of people who are overly creative tend to struggle with anxiety and depression. And I really think it, in my experience, people who have mental health struggles often are very empathetic people. They care deeply. They feel deeply. They like, it's like our senses are heightened. And I really think that can be our superpower in empathizing with clients, customers, and staff putting ourselves, we have to be protective of our health and well-being, and that we don't, you know, kind of in being an empathetic person, you can take on other people's emotions a lot. Um, but I really think it can be your superpower when you utilize it in the right way and don't feel a victim to it. And that's what I felt for many years is I felt like I'm not a whole person. Something's wrong. I'm broken and realizing like, oh, this, like, I just see the world differently and I experience the world differently. And that can actually really help me connect with people. But I feel like there's like this shift of like very patriarchal business models to more of like a feminine energy that's coming in, in the last five, 10 years that I think is really embracing that. And I don't know how you feel about that, but I used to feel like I have to be this hard nosed business owner that is like the leader and doesn't feel emotion and doesn't like maintains composure and is kind of like up here where everyone else is down here. And when I started being like, no, I can be honest about having a bad day. I can ask my staff, like, how are you feeling? Do you need to go home and like caring about them? And it's amazing the longevity of the relationship and the, and the careers that have stayed with me and just like actually caring and being compassionate. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> no, 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 that was really good. I like that because it's kind of like letting people into your world and just re and letting mm -hmm. them uh, realize that you're just a human being that has the same emotions as them. And I think when we do that, especially with our team, um, that they actually can have the opportunity to become more part of us, part of our brand, part of what we're doing, mm -hmm. um, or the people that we're working with, or, or even our clients. I think um the key to business moving forward is going to be around connection mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't, you, don't you think and that that you know we find something to connect a common conversation that we connect with and this is how we build a clientele we find a common something that we connect with often like it's more yeah. than just the hairstyle that we pump out for them <laughs> but real clients that stay with us for a long time is we find a connection point things that we have in common um, the real conversations that we have. And so why can't we extend that to the people that we work with, whether it's our team or whether it's our coworkers or whether it's our suppliers or uh, even our marketing? Um, why can't we be a little bit more real about what's yeah. really going and on? And being vulnerable is tough when we've been, this old school business model is like, don't show your weakness. And it actually wasn't until like Instagram came on the scene where I'm very open on Instagram, but then I was like, well, my staff can see this side of me, but I don't 
shows on this side of me. Mm. And I'm like, well, this clashes because I'm very open and honest over here. But then like talking with staff, it's like hard nosed. And I'm like, well, they're seeing, they're seeing two different people and that's confusing. And so how can I, instead of feeling like, you know, talking about like, I'm really anxious today. Uh, that felt like a weakness and a vulnerability where if I didn't admit it, I would come in in a frenzy and be all like snappy and, you know, like not a fun boss to be around. Um, and so the more I can be like, you know what, I'm not feeling good today. I'm feeling anxious. X, Y, Z is happening, you know, and being able to then be like, I'm not going to talk about this. We're not going to discuss this today because I'm not feeling like in the right mind zone, but we will later on. That's kind of been my superpower in connecting. And then also having your staff and your team see you as a real person, because I've had bosses where like, you forget that they're, you forget that they have feelings, <laughs> that they have stresses. Like I remember thinking like business owners just had an endless supply of money, right? Like they were rolling in it and that's not the case, right? You have your own set of struggles. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think as long as we take responsibility to own what's going on and not lay that weight on other mm -hmm. people. You know, there's a fine yeah. line, right? Between owning, this is how I am. This is where I'm at. This is what's going on in business. or well, this is what's going on for me right now and not laying it upon them. I can't talk to you right yeah. now because we're, you know, we're about to go under tomorrow <laughs> and laying right. the problems yeah. on somebody else. Um, yeah. We need to manage that. Yeah. And like, I even think of like how I remember I went to a boss once and said, like, I want to go to Australia for six weeks. I was 19 years old. Like, you know, I'm like, I want to have fun in my life still. And she went, okay, cool. So I'm going to have an empty chair in the salon for six weeks and I need to create income from that. So let's work together on it. So instead of just saying, no, you can't leave, you can't take six weeks vacation. She's like, okay, like I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine. How can we make this work? So I decided to pick up a bunch of extra shifts that would cover those six weeks of being gone. And I worked extra and she, you know, was like, okay, my, and I would have like, I didn't even think about how she would need to make money off the chair in the salon. Right. Like I just assumed mm. you have a big salon with 12 chairs. Like you probably make enough money because <laughs> I didn't have that know-how. Um, but the fact that she just was like transparent about the business finances in a way of saying like, okay, let's, let's, I want to make this work because you're a valuable employee and I want to keep you. But in order to make it work, I need, like, we need to have some give and take. And I thought that was a really cool way of being transparent about like, you know, I can't, I can't just give it to you, but we can make it work somehow. I love this kind of theme of, of uh, coming together and making things work. We actually yesterday in our uh, seller mastery coaching call, we had a conversation around the frustration. This is kind of talking about teams now, but the frustration of not having a, a beautiful, tidy uh, salon right and getting mm. the team on board to care about um keeping it clean keeping it presentable mm. and the weight that we carry or the frustration that we carry when we're trying to keep our environment beautiful when some people aren't playing the game and actually how we don't have to step up and be the one that knows all the answers uh, creates the systems and processes or, or uh, directs the team, but actually opening that up, working together and saying, okay, uh, how can we do this together? And, and how can we create a solution together mm -hmm. for, the, for the outcome? Whether it's keeping the salon clean, whether it's taking a uh, long-term leave of absence or whatever it is, I think we don't have to be this person up on the pedestal that runs the business. We can actually just come down and be part of the group, whether it's your co-workers or whether it's your um, team and find a solution together and be a little bit more open 
to yeah I call it off us yeah and like I think that's what I thought is like I have to be this upper person that's like staunch and hard and like just keeps telling people no because you can't let them come up to my level. Like that's what I thought, and which is so silly, but clearly that had been modeled to me at one point. Um, yeah. But really I call it red, red rovering the industry together. Like we, do you have the game red rover as a kid? No, do you have, I, I don't, don't Okay, I, don't know that <laughs> I was like, maybe this is, a, um, so as kids in school, you'd like link arms and there'd be like two lines of kids. And you say like red rover, red rover, we call Larissa over. And then you would have to try to run and you'd try to pick the weakest link. So the two people that probably aren't the strongest and you try to bust through their arms. <laughs> It's a silly like schoolyard game, but I say like, we need to red rover the industry together where we need to link arm in arm and take steps forward. And, mm. and that's how we make changes together and not a hierarchy, but mm. getting like, you are, you are as the, you aren't a leader as in you're above them. You're a leader because you're among them and you're helping guide the way together along with them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, with your permission, I want to just change tact a little bit and mm -hmm. throw this throw this at you. We've talked about um, being a little bit more vulnerable. We've talked about um, being open about overwhelm and anxiety and what's going on, on with us. Can I switch and kind of bring that topic over to social media and Instagram particularly? Because uh, one of the things that um, I love and adore about what you do is that you have heaps of fun on <laughs> your socials and you're really good at it. And I wonder if you might share with us a couple of sort of social strategies in terms of being visible, um, widening reach, being real and bringing in your tribe to your own business, whether it's behind the chair or you're building a team. Uh, what can you kind of share with us? A couple of just off the cuff okay, <laughs> tips, yeah. if you don't mind. <laughs> I love this because like, I get a lot of questions all the time. Like people wanting me to teach them social media. And I'm like, I'm not a social media person. Like, I don't know, like, I don't have actual strategies. I just show up the more I show up myself. And the more I stop caring about what other people might think. And I always say like, as mo the more I stop thinking about what Kelly from high school might say when she sees this, because I'm not making this for Kelly from high school, <laughs> but th that's like what held me back for the longest time. Mm. I remember when I first moved to Calgary six years ago and I, and Instagram was becoming more of a thing. I was actually nervous about the girls that I used to work with in the salon because I was needing to show up and like pump up my own tires and toot my own horn a lot more because no one else is going to do it for us. And I thought, oh my gosh, these girls that I used to work with are going to roll their eyes and think, who does Dawn think she is? And so I played small and then I realized, guess what? I'm not posting for them. So if they want to say, and you know, the, the fear came from hearing them gossip to me about other people. And mm. I think we've all like, I, I don't know if there's a one person on the world that hasn't gossiped, right? Like we, we get envious and jealous. And, and instead of actually owning those feelings, we project negativity towards other people. Um, so as soon as I kind of had to get those people out of my mind of like what they could, not even what they are thinking, but what they might possibly think. And the real kicker to that was realizing the only reason I was, the reason why I thought they might be thinking that is because I had thought that about other people. And so I wasn't scared about other people's judgment. I was scared about my own judgment. I knew how I had thought about people putting themselves out there and going, oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> like that's, oh, I would never, that's, oh, she really did a bad job of that. Like I knew how hard, cause I have this crazy strong inner critic and I put really high expectations on myself, which equates to me putting high expectations on other people. So the more compassionate I got with myself, the more compassionate I got with other people. 
And then it cycled back to me being allowed to show up just and let my freak flag fly. (laughs) And that's really what I do. That's my strategy is like, you know, I think about, I know my audience really well because they're basically who I used to be. And like, I actually have a list here. This just this morning, I went live on Instagram and said, how many of you guys agree, like feel like this describes you to a T people, pleasers, obsess over things, anxious, scattered, disorganized, awkward, misfit, tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, burnt out and a control freak. And they're all like, I've never felt more seen before in my life. And so that's just how I create my stuff is with that. I think about who I was 10 years ago and what I needed. And I try to make it fun and light. Does yeah. that answer the question? Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's letting go of the fear of being seen and being judged, mm-hmm. and just get on and speak to your audience. Yeah, um, which and means I, think, I had to stop judging other people so harshly. Yeah, yeah. But if we have to take a good hard. look at ourselves first, right? Oof, so hard. <laughs> I, like I hate so admitting I, that, but it's true. Like I think of like like when we my one analogy that I use is when a toddler's learning to walk and they fall down, no one goes. Oh, my goodness, that's so embarrassing. Do not try that again. Right. We cheer them on. We go, get back up, go again. You've got your, you've got this. And yet at some point in our lives, we stop having that same cheerleading and we go, Ooh, that was embarrassing. They totally fell down. I cannot do that for myself. We, we stop having this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like this time frame to allow ourselves to learn and fail. Mm. And when you look at everything, like when you start to learn to speak, when you start to learn to walk, you fail before you get better. And so learning that failure is the pathway to success. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love that. So my social media strategy is very different. I'm like, I don't care about a pretty feed. I don't try to make it super cohesive. I just show up and be goofy and weird and try to have something that can tie into something. Well, I love your goofy and weird. It's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Just switching that, switching that now to, uh, you know, stylist, salon owner. Um, I wonder whether one of the roadblocks, other than showing up in fear of being seen and all of those things too, is that we're not very often in the shoes of our customer. Do you know? We're in the shoes of being inside of the business and serving the client. And so we forget to get inside the head of our customer to remember what it's like. Because for most of us, um, we start our apprenticeships super early, 16, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. We haven't been a customer uh, much other than may- maybe when our mum took us to the salon and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So um, I wonder if that's a roadblock for us to hop outside of our own gold- goldfish bowl and actually say, what does our client want to see? What are they actually thinking about? Because when they're in our chair, we're in solution mode and we're mm-hmm. so, we know exactly when they say, I've got this problem, we know exactly what the solution is. But I think when we're trying to attract new clients, we're trying to create a presence for ourselves socially, we can't be in solution mode all the time. We've got to hop into the real problems that our clients face when they're at home in front of the mirror mm-hmm. and speak to, speak to our audience on that. Yeah. Do you agree? hundred percent. That's even like how I see hairstylists posting, like what formula they used. And I'm like, your clients don't care what formula you use. Like talk about, I remember when, when I first started using Instagram, I was behind the chair full time. And I would say like, do you want low maintenance hair, which saves you time and money, but looks better longer. And like really hitting those pain points of like, you save time. Like who wants to come to the salon more, um, save you money. Cause you're not coming as much, and, but your hair looks better longer. And so like really thinking about what are your, what are my clients craving? And I didn't even know I was doing, I didn't know what marketing was back then. I just thought, 
what do they want? And then the other, I had a tagline of step out of reality and into luxury. And for me, it was like my ideal client was someone who had a really busy life and didn't crave going to a loud, busy salon, but they craved like sanctuary and tranquility. And so I had chai tea lattes. I had quiet music. It was more of a spa atmosphere. And so I spoke to that because I wasn't serving clients who were like getting ready to go out on Saturday night. I was serving clients that wanted like a break from their busy life. So really, really like, and the best thing I ever did was just like, pull my clients, ask my clients, like, tell me more about your life. Tell me what you crave. Tell me what you like, dislike. What shows do you watch? Like really getting in their mind, like you were saying, and instead of trying to always guess what they might be thinking. But the other thing I do do a lot of is I do market research. I go book myself in as a guest, not necessarily at a hair salon, but for a service, like for a massage, for a facial. And I'll go to uh, like a Fairmont or do you guys have fair, like a big hotel chain that's yeah, I'm like <laughs> trying, but you know, like, uh, like a Hyatt or a Hilton the or whatever. The Hilton, like, yeah. Yeah. Hilton. There we go. <laughs> um, like a really one that would have like very good structure and like watch how they guide me through the appointment as opposed to like going to this place. That's maybe like newer and smaller and just seeing like, Oh, what do I want to incorporate? Where did I feel really seen? Because I see hairstylists all the time. Like not even make eye contact with their client. Don't say their name or introduce themselves. And they go, okay, awesome. Follow me and turn their back immediately and expect the person to follow them. Or if you're brand new in a place, I have social anxiety. I also have anxiety about going new places. Like if someone doesn't make eye contact with me, doesn't tell me their name, they just go, Dawn, okay, come with me and then turn. I'm kind of like, where am I going? <laughs> right. But when someone shakes my hand pre-COVID and looks me in the eye and says, all right, I'm just going to take you down the hall to this room, come follow me. And they kind of guide me. It's like, it, it really puts you at ease. So I think you, we have to continually be a customer and a client somewhere. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. Remember I'm what really it's like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's going to be a business write-off too. Like go get your nails done or something. Surely. <laughs> yeah. Surely. It's got to be a tax write-off. It's market research. <laughs> All right. Um, being a business owner uh, yourself, what is a quote or a mantra that kind of keeps you sane, focused, strong, or just keeps you going? My favorite one, and I learned this um, about five years ago, is what other people think of me is none of my business. And that mm. kind of ties back to that whole Instagram thing. But also like, if I have to have a tough conversation with an employee that I'm feeling nervous and uncomfortable about, and that I'm nervous about hurting their feelings, or if I need to fire a client or, you know, whatever it is, or if I have to make, you know, increased prices and I know clients are going to be upset. Like what they think about me is none of my business. I am the author of my story. I am the star of my show and I know the goals that I'm going towards. So nobody knows your stuff except you. And I see so many business owners and hairstylists sacrifice their goals just to people please and make other people comfortable. You'll only end up with regret or I, like my biggest motivation is I don't want to look back and think, oh, I wish I would have tried. Mm. So what mm. other people think, and it's only been now, like I used to say that to myself every morning. I still have the piece of paper in my wallet that I originally wrote it on. And I said it for years before I ever was able to actually believe it and let go of it. Yeah, I, I think the turning point for me was to realize that I actually had no control over, uh, one, it's none of my business, but two, I've got no control over it. And mm -hmm. whether I say something in the nicest possible way, they're going, they're going to take it, like, there's just no control over how they're going to receive that message. So I just have to do my best and yeah. the rest is up to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
and everyone's got their own stuff going on. So even if you yeah. do it the best way possible, someone can still not like you for it. Right? That's right. Actually, um, I remember the turning point. One of the turning points for me was when I let go of other people's stuff and recognized, actually, it's not about me. Actually, mm-hmm. what everybody, mm-hmm. like how selfish was I or how self-centered was I when I, everything that anybody else did, I made it about me and yeah, thought that it was me that, that was controlling what they were thinking. In fact, it's got nothing to do with me at all. That was really freeing for me. Yeah. I remember I was 18 and just moved out of home and I was in the car with my friend and she, and I said, I'm just really insecure. And she said, being insecure is the most selfish thing you can be. Mm. And I was like, I was offended, excuse me. And she's like, (laughs) you think like being insecure, you think everyone's thinking about you. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly the point. It's like, Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have made it about me. Yeah. Like I, I think I'm a big deal. And I like one of my lines is I'm a big deal and I can do hard things. Cause I, it's like, we want to be confident and, but yet our ego, it's like ego and confidence is very close, but very different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, you have something that you can share with us. Um, you've put together a guide. Tell us a little bit about it because I would love to share it with the world. Yeah. So I have my client attraction playbook. So when I moved to Calgary six years ago, I, I closed up my business. I sold my house. I moved here without a plan and I knew no one other than my boyfriend. And with in under 12 weeks, I was booked months in advance working from my basement in the suburbs of Calgary. And so it's not that I had like some magic formula. It's that I had started my career and built my clientele. Then I moved to England, built a clientele. I came back home. I went to Australia, built a clientele came back, built, built, you know, I built and rebuilt my clientele six times on three different continents. And over those six times I learned what works and what doesn't work. And so I put together, cause people kept asking me like, how'd you get so busy so quickly? And I was 31 years old when I moved. Um, and I was like, well, it's just cause I know what not to do now. So I put together uh, the client attraction playbook, which is my seven key steps to building your clientele. It can be used on or off social media because I know a lot of people don't love social media or sometimes in small towns, people aren't looking up hashtags and things like that. So you can adapt it, um, but you can get it. At, it's, it's fun. It's colorful. I like to keep everything fun. Right. Um, and you can find it at donbradley.com slash playbook. It's completely free. And it's exactly what I did to get booked a month in advance in under 12 weeks. Amazing. Well, we shall put the link to that in the show notes of this podcast. I really appreciate you sharing that. So um this has been amazing I think we probably could keep talking but in the name of time and uh the typical person's drive time uh let's make sure that everybody knows where to find you uh we need to find you on the insta and all of the places so will you share your dub dub your handles and all the things yes so you can my website is donbradley.com Um, my blog, my podcast, all my YouTube videos are over there. But if you want to find me on Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, Facebook, you can search Don Bradley hair. Amazing. All right. I really appreciate your time coming and hanging out with us. Do come back again. Um, Yes. I'll come back in real life when I can fly over. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Dawn. Thanks so much. And that's a wrap. I know you got lots out of this episode. Thank you so much, Dawn. I appreciate our chat. I know we could talk all day. We must do it again sometime. I would love to know what is your biggest takeaway from today's chat? What resonated? What do you need to do to make a change? Remember, I'm always here in Messenger if you would love to chat. 
Uh, otherwise, join me in the Profitable and Successful Salon Owners Facebook group. Look forward to chatting to you there. Otherwise, same time, same place next week. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.